So let's start it off with your thoughts on the current state of the Boston Red Sox. You know, talk to me about everything that went on with the Alexander Bogarts thing, how you were feeling. How much of a factor does Marcelo Meyer, presumably being ready in 2024, play into Heim's decision to not pursue Xander earlier? Realistic expectations for Tristan Casas this year. I like the pitch clock. My issue is the dumb eight second rule. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Dugout. Uh, this is episode 20 of The Dugout. Um, no Drew today. Uh, we do have a special guest, um, Joey Capone. Um, Joey, if you want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Joey Capone. You don't do want more tell than that? You're a, you're a big superstar. Okay, yeah, no, in case you don't podcast. know who I am. In case you don't know who I am, you probably do. Uh, yeah, no, I host the ITM podcast with Sports Illustrated covering the Red Sox. Formerly with Odyssey Sports, doing the same under a very similar name. Uh, same, same acronym, oddly enough, but a different name that I no longer own. Uh, before that, I worked with this fella here at a different company, also making sports media stuff. Mm. But I can never remember the name of that company. No. Thanks for having never. me on, dude. I appreciate you yeah, asking me. and yeah, excited to talk socks. Yeah, so, I mean, we, I don't get to talk too much socks on the show. Um, mm-hmm. we talk a lot of the rivalry, but purely socks. We haven't had too much besides the whole, the whole Devers thing this off season. Um, so let's start it off with just your thoughts on the current state of the Boston Red Sox. It's pretty unsure. I don't think anybody has a concrete idea. And I think the people who do tell you they have a concrete idea are dead wrong. I think there are people on both sides of the aisle right now that really firmly believe that the team is going to win 40 games. And there's people who really believe that this team is better than they've been in the past three years. And I don't think either of those things you can definitively say till you see it's a lot of wait and sees and it's a lot of ifs. There's a ton of question marks up and down the lineup in the rotation. It's really just your bullpen that you feel good about if you've been following this team. And even in the bullpen, all of those guys, aside from two of them, have proven themselves elsewhere. You haven't seen yep. them here. And uh, the, the bullpen is a little older, too. So even if you want to poke holes in their most uh, bolstered part of their roster, you can still do it. So I think it's pretty unsure. I think everybody uh, with a brain thinks it's pretty realistic for them to be uh, third or fourth in the division come the end of this year, going to be fighting for a wild card spot. I think it's a pretty realistic expectation for this team i i set mine pretty low um i said a few episodes ago that i would not be surprised if this was a fifth place team i don't think that that's a testament against this team though i think that's a testament to how yeah, good no, the, the east is. is yeah right right it's and sick. i mean if you I, I think the biggest i mean obviously the the thing holding you from fourth and fifth place is how well the orioles everything for the Orioles pans out because it's a very young team. There's a lot of prospects. If Grayson Rodriguez comes up and is a stud, then he's a stud. Um, Gunner obviously already shown, you know, that he's, uh, he's worth the hype. Um, and then again, I think too, it's the, the Blue Jays every single year have such a great roster. Um, they're very like Dallas Cowboys and Los Angeles Chargers esque where they always have, they always seem to win the off season and, always have a really good roster and they never put it together. So if it's one of those years that they put it together, then then this team is, I mean, the Red Sox definitely a fourth place team could be looking at a fifth place um, based, based upon how the, how the Orioles put it together. Um, so I know you and I talked about this when it was happening. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of just, you know, talk to me about everything that went on with the Alexander Bogarts thing, how you were feeling, um, now that we're a month and a half out of it, how Red Sox Nation is feeling about it. Um, I know, I mean, I've said it multiple times on, on here and as well to you. Um, I would have never touched the amount of money in the in the years that, that San Diego paid him, um, which is aside from the problem of it should have been a long time ago, but um, how is how are how are people around the organization and closer to the Red Sox coping with it? Have they completely moved on? And, uh, you know, where's that at? Uh, I don't know if anybody's completely dealt with it yet. I'll say that. So yeah. I was in San Diego for the winter meetings when uh, the Xander news broke. 
and uh, it was a shock to everybody. Yep. The word around the winter meetings leading up to that day, I don't remember, I want to say it was a Tuesday, but the weekend and leading up to it had been pretty quiet. And then that morning, yeah, the, the report started to leak that it was getting close. Yeah. And then I started to hear it was getting close. Uh, yeah, then, I know. <laughs> and then I started to hear numbers. And I think I texted yeah. you the numbers that I heard. You did. It was like 6-120-something. It was it something was like 6, that. 6160 was the offer that they did yeah. give. And then later in the day, I don't know if I texted you the second one, that I was the number that everyone was saying was 8220. And I was like, oh, they're stepping mm. up. If they're giving them 8220, nobody's matching that. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure did. Which I'm sure in Xander's defense probably would have taken had San Diego not thrown an absolutely ridiculous offer at him. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like you said, it, it's all a matter of he never should have gotten to free agency. And like the fact that he did opened up the door for a team like San Diego to do yep. something ridiculous and throw as much money at him as they did. But he never should have been in that position. I think around the team, I think there's uh, a sense of reality. Like we got to move on. Like we can't just sit mm -hmm. here all day and say, man, we wish Bogey was here. It's not going to be the same without Bogey. You're going to drive yourself nuts if you do that. So I think that there is some realism that like we can't we can't do that. We got to move on to, to whatever degree. Uh, and if you want to find some silver lining, I think that there's a general feeling of uh, relief that this year won't be clouded in uh, questions of a superstar's future. Because yeah. last year was crazy with that. I mean, mm -hmm. Xander was bombarded with it every day. Yeah. And even the days he wasn't asked about it, you could just see word on his face that it, it was bothering him. And that's not going to be there anymore. Luckily, there's not going to be that with Devers. Thank God. So Thank God. All of that stuff is gone. Now it really is like, what is the performance on the field this year going to be? Yeah. And I guess I guess the other conversation is kind of poking holes in the front office's mentality. Uh, but there is some relief that like, okay, although Xander's not here, now we don't have to deal with that anymore. It's like a tough breakup. It's like, yeah, you wish yeah. that person was still around, but you know what? Like, there's no fighting anymore, and there's no, like, what is mm -hmm. going to happen here? There's no, what if, what if we try that? It's done. And you can put the period on it and move past it. Uh, I don't think that there's a clear-cut leader of this team, because Bogey really had that role for a long time, so yeah. nobody is being asked to step into that right away. But they do have a ton of veteran presence. They so do. I think it's going to be kind of a leader-by-committee kind of thing. And from the stuff that we've seen that coming out of Fort Myers, Devers has actually kind of stepped up and been more of a leader than we've ever seen him be, which has never, yeah. never been asked of him. He's always been the young guy, the guy learning from the veterans. And for him to step up with new guys like even Yoshida, who he has a double language barrier with, uh, yeah. like seeing yeah. him, him like talk with, with him and, and some of the other younger guys, it's, it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, but I don't think anybody's trying to fill Xander's shoes right away. Yeah, and it seems Kike has taken a lot of that responsibility, um, especially with the recruiting thing. So last thing about Xander, how much do you think – I kind of just randomly thought about this now. Um, you know, when you talked about six to eight years for Xander in Boston, obviously we signed Story to a, to a long deal. How, how much of a factor does Marcelo Meyer, presumably being ready in 2024, play into Heim's decision to not pursue Xander earlier – on in the process while he was still a Red Sox um, in, in accepting reality that Marcelo is the future. Um, if we have to settle with a gap player like Mondesi for a year or two, or even Kike at shortstop for a year or two, that's fine. Because if you had Bogarts for six to eight, you have a story for a while. Meyer wouldn't have really fit anywhere. Um, I don't think he's really touched third in his life. Um, and it's, it's also probably too soon to, to put Rafi into a full designated hitter role. So mm -hmm. from your opinion, do you think that weighed on Heim's mind in any of, you know, the contract negotiations, um, especially earlier on when deciding not to, to lock down Xander long time? I mean, I can only speculate. So not to, yep. not to self promote here. I'm interviewing Heim later this week and I'm planning on asking him that exact same thing because yeah. he will have an actual answer. Because I, yeah. I don't have one. The the uh, thing that makes me think no is that um, Meyer's like a crazy athlete. 
He's a shortstop, yeah. but that's because he's a he's crazy played athlete. shortstop his entire life. Yeah, yeah, because as, as you come up and you're the best athlete and you're the best you play baseball you play player on the team, you play shortstop. So yeah, I don't know how married to the position he was, and I also don't know how much they would be uh, constructing the roster right now for at the time a kid who was 19 years old. Yep. So I don't I don't know how much that really played in, but it's hard to find anything else to point to. Yeah. So uh, my gut would say it was it was probably in the back of his mind, but that's a lot of pressure to be putting on a kid to, while he's it literally is. still it a is. teenager to be saying like, yeah, the Red yeah. Sox are deciding <laughs> not to give Xander Bogarts money because they think <laughs> you're going to fill the role. That's crazy. So it is. It I is. hope they didn't, you know, have a conversation with him like that. But um, I mean, he seems he seems so confident and uh, I. All the all the scouts and all the the people who work uh, within the system seem really really confident in him. I just I don't. I mean, think yeah, a lot of a lot of times see with, in single A though. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think the the benefit to him is a lot of times with prospects, it's a lot of, well, this could be him. This you know he could do this, he could do that, but he's put the numbers up. Um, and yeah, granted it's, it's single a and, you know, both levels of single a and rookie ball. Um, but for his age, like he's, he's keeping up, he's putting up the numbers. So it's there. Um, I mean, I'm obviously very excited. Um, I think Haim is done in as, as much shit as I'll give Haim for everything that's happened the past year. Um, the way he's been drafting has been bar none. I mean, uh, I mean, well, here, here's the thing. I like Heim too, but or I I, yeah. I I give Heim more credit. I think I like I like what he does a lot of the time. Meyer fell right into his lap. I don't oh think my God. he talked a lot at the winter meetings about you know we drafted for the future and we started to build yeah. and we da 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 da, which implies that you set out in the twenty twenty season to get the fourth overall draft pick. That's what you set out to do. You were like, we're gonna tank for Meyer <laughs> and he's gonna fall to fourth. Which nobody yeah. saw coming, so it makes no. no sense to like the fact that Heim is like, yeah, see, we've built up the system. Like, no, Meyer fell into your lap, and all the other prospects who you keep putting these like you know high high praise to are still twenty years old, and a lot yeah. of them were already in the system. And the guys who you have traded for are not going to be anything. Like, I don't know if you've been watching the spring training games. Does David Hamilton move the needle for you? Are you like no. hell yeah, David Hamilton's going to th- come up here? David Hamilton does one thing in the minor leagues, and that is steal bases. But he still can't hit. The thing is you have to get on base in order to steal bases. Exactly. And when yeah. he gets to the majors, he, he, he what, like two, it was 213 or 220 something in the in the minors? Like, sure, he gets on base enough to steal, but you put him in the big leagues, it's not going to happen. Um, Benelis was another guy we got in one of those big trades. He hasn't done a thing. Where is um, he? I, I haven't seen him. I don't, he's not even, I don't think he even made the, you know, it's just, yeah. Mm. You start to look around. Jake Room had some comments this week about uh, being kind of shocked that he was leaving the sock system, which like, are you, are you actually shocked? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> even if you want to like criticize that too, it's like we traded Jake Room for Hosmer and then just let Hosmer yeah. go. Yeah. So uh, yeah. A, a lot of the moves are, are confusing when it comes to, um, building up the farm because it doesn't feel like they're really doing that. It well, feels like they've and the, got like four big guys they're relying on. Yeah, and the Frank Herman DFA was mind-blowing to me. I mean, A lot of the DFAs this offseason have been strange. I mean, Matt Well, Barnes yeah, I, I was I was going to touch on that eventually. Um, you know, I, you know how much I hate Mr. Brazier, um, how he has survived the countless DFAs this winter. I don't understand and I won't understand even if Ryan Brazier comes out and he's a really good reliever this year I still don't think I will be able to wrap my head around the fact that he was able to survive this long because he 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 wasn't good last year flat out he had one good month as every Red Sox reliever did and besides that he he got shelled absolutely shelled his whole baseball savant page is blue so I don't I don't know what analytics Himes looking at that's that's warranting to keep him um, I mean, that is uh, it, though. That is the thing, though. Like, he, Heim kind of has said without saying, like, us looking at the advanced numbers, we really think that he's got the stuff. 
God bless you. I don't know how you think that. I don't know what numbers you're possibly looking at. But to I think with, with Matt Barnes, I think it's it was a lot of his expected numbers. Yeah. That they, they thought he got lucky a lot. They thought a lot of the the um stuff that stayed in the infield was good contact and that he would continue to give up more contact as strikeout rates were down. Which like can all be true, but also yeah. doesn't mean that he's he didn't perform better than Ryan Brazier. You know, there's there's certain expected stats that like really only make sense when you're looking towards the future. But when you're looking at the past with them, it's like, okay, well, it doesn't, does it matter what his expected anything was when you see what his actual everything right. was, you know, right. It's like, well, he didn't match the projections. Well, cause he did better. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something in there that I don't get. I know Heim has a job that requires a lot more understanding of these things than I do, but uh, yeah, no, I don't get it. I don't know why Ryan Brazier's still there. I think even if he comes out and has a good year that I don't even know if I would believe that Heim saw something in him. It might just be that he has a good so year. I don't, it feels like he's dug in, like that, that the whole front office has decided no matter what Ryan is here, just to prove a point almost. And uh, that's, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a crazy point to make. Gonna, they're like, nope, nope. We've made up our minds. Stop talking about it. What's wicked funny. I don't know if you saw this. But Heim was giving an interview, or not an interview, it was uh, media availability mm -hmm. uh, after the Matt Barnes DFA. And while he's talking about Matt Barnes, without being prompted, without being asked, he was like, and before you guys ask about Ryan, blah, 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 and then went on about Ryan Brazier. Like, he anticipated, I know that you guys saw a DFA and want to ask me why I didn't DFA Ryan Brazier. Brazier's which gotta is have nuts. Dirt. He has to He's have, gotta have dirt some naked on Heim pictures or something. Of, of somebody. There is something. Um, but yeah, back to the, the Barnes thing and the expected numbers. I, I will say, I will give credit when credit is due. They kept it consistent with Waka. Um, I did do a, I did do a deep Michael Waka dive um, mm -hmm. when the season ended. Um, a lot of my friends liked the Waka signing when it first happened. I personally did not. Mm -hmm. Um. And then the receipts were pulled. I was told that I was wrong. And I said, no, yeah, sure. I was wrong. He had a really good year. But let's let's take a look at the numbers and let's look at the games he pitched in. Because every time I turned the TV on and Michael Walker was pitching, it seemed that the Red Sox had eight, nine, ten runs and he didn't really have to do anything. So I, we, you know, went on baseball reference, I looked at his starts. Over half his starts, he there was I think it would think it was six plus runs scored for the Red Sox, um, and then in the games that the very few games that it was a, a two run or less lead, he didn't pitch very well. Um, he had a complete so, game. Don't even he had a complete game, complete game shutout. One complete game shutout. Oh, what he was he um, supposed to yeah. have seven? Well, yeah, Al Alcantara. Okay, because Michael Waka wasn't Cy Young caliber. Listen, Michael Walker was your best pitcher last year. I don't know why he. I, I, I don't I think disagree. It's so crazy but... that everybody just kind of let him go because it wasn't even just the team that let him go. The fans were like, "See him, see you, Michael. Have a great time out I there." I mean, again, but look what the Padres threw him. Would you have touched what the Padres paid him? No, but he was around in free agency for so long. I don't yeah, think the was. Padres had to give him that. I think the Padres could have given oh, him two yeah. years. The Padres 10 are just throwing money around like it's monopoly money this offseason. I don't. Even I mean, think they're they paying Manny Machado. A total of $450 million now, which is crazy. Well, um, think about the brand ambassador stuff, because everybody across the, the league loves him so much. You know, now they have a beloved yeah. player on their team. Yeah. It makes absolutely um, no sense. I think the I think the, the Padres are, are actually the unsustainable one more so than the Mets. The I mean, yeah, because the Mets still have their farm. And the Mets the Padres, also have, like, a fan base that will support them yeah. and a ballpark yeah. that will contain them, and, like, they are a... A, a brand an established brand i don't think i think padres fans are going to exist for like one and a half seasons i see this padres experiment going very wrong every time i see them throw more money at someone um for the amount of years that they're giving them i i just don't see it going over well for them um and they're not gonna be able to pay soto there's no realm of possibility that they're gonna be able to pay Soto. no i think paying machado was them saying was them making a choice between the two of them which I would rather pay Machado than Soto at this point, if I if I'm the Padres, because um, it just just based on the fact, not that Machado's a better player, um, I think Soto obviously is, he's going to be one of the greatest to ever play, but in terms of clubhouse, um, in just what he meant to that organization, um, I think he was more important to pay than than Soto. Um, 
If they care about their clubhouse, there's probably another guy that they wouldn't keep around. Yeah, I would agree. That's yeah. uh yeah. I not a big fan of that guy. Coming to Boston. He, maybe he can fill the gap until Myers ready. I don't I don't Will he take Boston, a two year deal? No. Or well no, he has a like a fifteen year, doesn't he? Yeah, it's pretty cheap too. Well so we'll take on that and then try to deal him in two years. Once Myers up. Yeah, but I don't even know if I want I I don't think I'd even take him in Boston. I'm not gonna lie. No, I'd rather just want like be. I'd rather just be bad for a year and then take Meyer. Tough which we're gonna be bad for a year. No, he is. I, I mean, think he's, they're he's in the middle a... of two gap years. They won't say it because obviously nobody's no team is gonna come out and say that unless like it's insanely obvious. But I think twenty twenty three and twenty four are gap years. Because yeah, because even, even twenty four when you start hitting the prospects, it, it's gonna take a year. That's the um, thing. You're going to start getting them. and yeah, Because, right. like, I don't exactly. think opening day, Marcelo Myers, your shortstop no. next year. I think he no. comes up in, in August, September of 24. And, like, Miguel Blaze is another guy who, like, you have a lot of hope for. Sedan Rafaela and, like, the three of them I hope together. we trade Sedan. You what? I said I hope we trade Sedan. You watch your mouth. I – no. Listen. You don't like Sedan Rafaela? I love him, but that's the issue. Is that I don't he need has, right now. I don't need pieces right now. I need he has 2025 insurmountably surpassed any expectation that he has ever surpassed when he got signed. That was ever expected when he got signed. Yeah, and I just think we should sell high. I same thing it with Duran. Duran. Duran never hit this level of of prospect, but we should have dealt Duran before he touched the major leagues. What there was reports at a time where where people thought Duran like was one of the most athletic prospects in baseball. Maybe not like the most gifted, but like as far as athleticism goes, he was like being talked about that high. That yeah. would have been a great yeah. time to get rid of him yeah. in hindsight because I I was excited when he came up. And uh, with Rafaela, if you were going to, it probably would have been after he won um, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. So yeah. if they didn't deal him then, I, don't, I can't imagine he has a better season this year than, than before. Most likely it's like not. now was the time. And if they didn't do it, then that means they really – believe he's going to be up here so if you're looking 2025 red Sox to be like you know bayo cassis story oh, meyer devers mata uh, will probably be up by then mata bayo um and then rafaela blaze and brian brazier in and, the pen. and maybe blaze maybe blaze jordan i want to trade that Blaze Jordan, we go. only know because he has a cool name. He needs to go. Blaze Jordan is not in a, like the top. My buddy prospect. loves Blaze Jordan because he was hitting 500 foot homers as a 13 year old with like a drop 13 bat. And yeah. I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, he's never gonna be good. I promise you that. <laughs> I promise. Um, His name's too. So cool. yeah, no, it is a it's a great name. And Stop you know, honestly, you know, Heim Heim played it. Heim played it pretty well. Got him. Got him with pretty good slot value. So. Cred, yeah. cred to Heim for that. Um, realistic expectations for Tristan Casas this year? I'm thinking like 47 bombs, 11.25 OPS. I like how you think. I'm liking it. Uh, I'm liking just it. being realistic about it. No, I mean, yeah. realistically, dude, he's probably a 230 hitter with a, with a, with a high OBP. Yeah, I mean his OPS is gonna be, is gonna play the average. Yeah. I mean, even now, even in the two weeks that he played, everyone's complaining about his average. Yeah. Like, did you watch the games? That's who he is. That's who he did is. you watch how he got in a three-two count every at bat? Like, it's gonna happen. It was his first two weeks in the bigs. It's obviously mm -hmm. gonna happen, and he hit the ball hard. Did it? It wasn't always a hit, but he hit the ball hard. Like, oh, Red yeah, Sox fans. There, there's a handful of Red Sox fans that. There's just a hard dichotomy, bro, because like there's the old heads who don't see his batting average high enough, and then there's yeah. the new kids who are you know looking at his expected OBP plus, and it's like, well, okay, maybe there's somewhere in the middle here. Maybe there's something we can fall on where like there's something to grab out of both of those things without putting like our entire eggs and chicken into one of these whimsy Wh baskets. Which of the Red Sox account do you have beef with? Which Red Sox account? I, like is it 20. is it stats or strong? Stats or strong? Strong, though? strong. I love strong. stats. Uh, strong sucks. Strong, strong sucks. is awful. There's another Terrible. guy I really hate on there right now. I had to block him, but he, he beat me to it actually. 
HVT, Who? Red Sox and stuff. I'll say his name on here. I don't care. I hate that kid. <laughs> I know him, too. He doesn't know that I know him, which is the craziest thing. Like you know him in real life? Yeah, but he doesn't know that I know him. Yeah. I know him, like, through a friend. But, like, oh. when I saw him tweet, I was like, dude, I know who this is. And then, like, he, I don't know, he, whatever. It, it absolutely doesn't matter. But that he is one of the people that's on the side of the fence that, like, everything's great. This team could win the World Series. And it's like, shut up. That's just not true. And then there are tons of accounts that, like, I'll tweet anything. I'll tweet, like, oh, like, Doogie's looking faster than usual. And people will be like, I'm sure he's going to keep running when they're losing 110 games this year. And it's like, can we not do that either? Like, th- there's just nothing to gain out of that. Tristan oh. Cassis, I think, hits like 25 bombs. To answer your original question, yeah. I think Tr- Tristan Cassis yeah. hits like 25 bombs. Um, might make rookie of the year conversation, depending on how it looks around, around could, baseball. But there's, there's so many rookies. Yeah, so many I, good is, I just don't know. I don't know who the the pool is right now. You know what I mean? I mean, Gunner's going to be in it. Yeah. Depending where Volpe ends up, he's going to be in it. Um, it's the Orioles. I think Oswaldo still counts. As the rookie of the year ballot. Who has the Reds? The Orioles roster just gets submitted yeah. as one. Yeah. Um. So back to Casas. Immediate reaction to what came out the other day with the older guys. Yeah, not liking his pregame routine. I had mixed feelings about it. Um, Me too. Me too. Especially considering the fact that you—it was last year—you are old veterans on a really bad team, and most likely the guys that they it was probably aren't here anymore. Um, I—I I don't know. It. it, it the, my first immediate reaction, I was it kind of pissed me off because it's not like Casas joined a winning team with a culture that he was breaking up and messing up from an everyday standpoint. Um, so I didn't really understand the big deal with it. Um, sure, it's different in like everything in baseball is is the older guys getting mad at at what is new and different and young age. Um, is it weird on Tristan Costa's part? Sure, but the guy's been doing it for how many years? Like, like maybe napping in the middle of the locker room before a game isn't the greatest idea. Like, maybe we should we can move it, you know, into your locker or something, and not in there's, the middle of the there's floor. There's a nap room. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we don't do that. But yeah. like, why? Like, let the kid do what the kid has. Like, I'm sure all of these veteran players had have some superstition and some routine that you know they they do as well so they don't like don't mess the kid up like he's he's your number one prospect why are you going to take him out of his routine um especially you know in a brand new place uh under the bright lights i don't know it i i'm i'm very new age i i tend to disagree heavily with with the older uh baseball crowd um but at the same time, like I think it was very mature of Casas to you know, sit down and listen to him and say, "Hey, like I'm willing to change these things. Um, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, try and rub people the wrong way." So that that part I did like. Yeah. So it took me a, a little bit to kind of figure out how I felt about it because I had a gut reaction to it that was close to what you're saying, uh, and that I've, I've just kind of thought a little bit more and kind of come to this place where I don't really have a hard take one way or the other. I think it was handled yeah. wrong by like seven people. I think it was yeah. just like down the line like everybody could have done a little bit better about this mm-hmm. um first of all shout out to chris cotillo of mass live who who broke the story and then had yeah. alex cora to his face tell him that he agreed with it but also thought the headline sucked yeah. um that was that was funny uh i think tristan like you said is a weird cat there's no way around it like he's he a, is he's an oddball <laughs> he's i he love is. him I like that he's he's wearing fingernail polish this year. I like that he believes he suns instead of drinking coffee. I I I like that he's a weird guy. I really do. I hope uh, the mustache stays for a while too. I hope that's a. I hope so too. It it fits him. But yeah. there's a couple of things that he did at at the beginning there, like like the sunbathing in right field, that yeah. I think came off like. Uh, I'm a top prospect and now I'm here and like I own the place. It's understandable. And I don't think that's what he intended. I no, definitely not. I I'm not a hundred percent sure which veteran guys it was that was 
that had a problem with it. I know it was like Ryan some Brazier. guys the pitching staff. So, it's probably Ryan Brazier. That's probably why he's still here. Probably Brazier, yeah. Yeah. Because you know how Brazier runs the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was I know it was some guys on the pitching staff, and I think that they viewed it as that. I think they saw, like, this kid thinks he owns the place. Yeah. And I what I don't think it was was those guys being like, hey, I got the rookie hazing treatment, so you have to get the rookie hazing treatment. Because I hate that. That makes no sense yeah. to me. Like, yeah. Just because you had to walk uphill to school both ways doesn't mean that I can't take a car. Like, that's mm-hmm. things get better. You should want better for the next people. Right. So I, I, I do think it was that. But like you said, shows a lot of maturity that he was like, yeah, cool. He's also still sunning before games. He's just not doing it on the field. He's doing it on the Coca-Cola deck now. That's okay. Uh, yeah, go on up there. Do it up there. They're fine with that. Uh, I um, I don't like that he had to change anything because I think from the outside, as a fan, you want to say, like, dude, whatever it takes. Like, just yeah. be yourself and mm-hmm. be the best Tristan Cassis on the field that you can. Whatever you have yeah. to do to make that happen, do it. I think on the inside, people were like, okay, like, I don't want to get off on the wrong foot with you, dude. And you're kind of setting us down uh, on the wrong foot a little bit. So good on them to speak up, I guess. Good on on Tristan Cassis to start napping in the nap room, I guess. It's a whole bunch of like, <laughs> did this need to be a thing? Like, I don't know. I did. I did hear a story about another guy a few years ago napping in the clubhouse. And uh, they also had they had a big problem with him doing that yeah. as well. Yeah, got some water dumped on him while he was sleeping, and he yeah, was a veteran he was also, guy. Uh, yeah, yep. So I think it's just part of the 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 Red Sox culture that the they they don't do that. I don't know the things like that stick around, and when when you have a bunch of veteran guys, they're gonna kind of bring these different cultures all together, you know what I mean? Like from the different organizations that they came from and they're going to be a little more old school than, than a younger team. Yeah. And- I, I think the biggest issue with me was that I had with it was that it just, they're coming from unnamed veterans on a not very good team. And there weren't many good veterans on that team. Um, and it, it would be different if big Poppier and Dustin Bedroyd came out and said, like, hey, like, you know, yeah, Tristan and I had 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 a conversation and we, you know, we told him how a big league clubhouse runs that that's completely different to me. Because I'll um, tell you who it wasn't. It wasn't Xander Bogarts. No, it, Xander Dender is not that guy. So Xander no. didn't didn't go to Tristan and be like, hey, knock that off. He might have at some point to be like, hey, some guys are saying this stuff and like you might want to know yeah. it. Yeah. But it certainly like the, the big quote is the are you kidding me? That, you know, somebody walked out of the clubhouse or, or out of the dugout tunnel, saw him, said, are you kidding me? First of all, if it offends you that much that you're like, are you serious? I want to hear the tone in which the guy said it. Because if he walked out with a smile on his face, it's like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, this kid's here on different. his first day and he's bathing yeah. his shirt off. And the, wow, that's crazy. That's something. That's one thing. But if he came out and was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. This kid, this kid yeah. on my field. It's totally different. So I don't know. I don't know what the tone of that stuff was, but you're right. It's like. It's like, dude, you got it's maybe that played like, into it, though, that they had been and sucking and then somebody shows up and is having fun and they're like, dude, we're not having fun right now. Yeah, no. Like, you know, <laughs> dial it back. We're sucking right now. I that, that's why I'm like that's why I'm like pretty slave to the fact that it that it was one of those lesser known veterans that didn't have a great year that Heim really believed in because he really, you know, they they were probably drinking the juice that Heim was telling them that that hey we're still making a playoff push and so they didn't they didn't want tristan coming up and and having fun and doing what he does i mean that's 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 where i that's that's my stance on on the type of guy that i think it was um maybe like a ryan i don't think maybe like a ryan brazier because it was ryan brazier if it was if if it came out that it was ryan brazier i don't i i would probably go ballistic on social media i don't think ryan brazier speaks no I don't think he, he just has goes a like voice. this all day. I heard his voice for the first time like a few months ago on a podcast, and I was—I like, don't think I've ever heard his voice. It's nuts. It blew my mind. He's like a southern accent a little bit. I was like, "What is this?" Like when I picture Ryan Brazier speaking in my head, it's a little—it's a little high pitched, a little raspy. No, 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 no? just kind of a southern wow. draw, and just kind of 
if I remember correctly, does he is he even Southern? Might be wrong I, there. I don't, I don't even remember what it sounds like. I couldn't tell you. It was I, unremarkable. I can you believe that something about, about Ryan Brazier was unremarkable. Well, the amount of the amount of games he blew this season was unremarkable. I think that might be the only remarkable thing about it. It's it's incredible how many games they they kept. His high leverage numbers are so bad. They're, it's terrible. Which there again, was, there like, was a stretch for like three weeks, I want to say, where <laughs> he was like only getting high leverage situations. Yeah. He was coming in with like in the eighth, two on, up by one. It was like a joke. It was like, you got to, like, what are we doing? And then it was like. I, I felt like a lot of times it was like on purpose. Yeah. That they would pitch Ryan Brazier on purpose to piss people off. To it make was like point. they thought it was funny for a bit. I swear yeah, to God. it was because like I I remember vividly. I think it was I think it was the Kansas City Royal series. Mm-hmm. He pitched one night and and gave up a bunch of runs. Either the Royals or the Rangers. He basically blew the game. And then the next night, it's a close game. They're like, guess what? <laughs> and and they they pan to the bullpen camera and it's in Brian Brazier's the only one warming up. I was like, you have to be kidding me. That that he blew the game against the either the Royals or the Rangers, both two of the worst teams in baseball, and he's warming up again on the same night or on the next night. Like, it's just awful. It, it, it must like elbowing his bench coach, being like, "Hey, watch this." <laughs> it's like the impractical <laughs> Joker thing. It's like, it's like, don't warm Ryan Brazier up, yeah. and Core is just doing it. Yeah, like, <laughs> on the other be. end in the bullpen, they're on the phone with him. Like, please don't, please don't say it. Uh, don't it say his name. Um. All right. Very quickly before we get off. Um, yeah. The rotation. It's uh yeah. It's a really good rotation if it was like 2016. Yeah. 2015. Yeah. Like really seen. good, really good in 2015. Well, Brian Bayo would have been like 11. Well. So. Everyone else. Everyone else would have been really good. They would have if made had, up for if it. If you prime Kluber back then. Dude, you have um, prime Kluber right now. You kidding me? Did you see his numbers last year? See, I wanted Kluber last year, which I guess proved to be a good idea not to have Kluber. But like, it's been a waste. But it's like now, it's like it's even worse now. No, he's fine. But like, I don't. I think Kluber's the one guy. I mean, you look at those three because I know what three you're talking about, right? We're talking about the same three. We're talking yeah. about Sale, Paxton, Kluber. Kluber's the only one who has like innings and any time recently. And he pitched what, yeah. 160 innings last year? 140? Somewhere around there. He, he, um he was active last year. Very active. Paxton got paid by the Sox to chill last year. He did. For sale came back for one <laughs> one start and then got his hand <laughs> like exploded. And then Fell off a bicycle in the yeah. largest air quotes I've ever thrown yeah, out there. That was that was absolutely crazy. Those guys should be like way bigger concerns. And I would still argue I think Sale is gonna have a, an up year. So Kluber Kluber is like you gotta it's hard to put these expectations on a guy of his age, mm-hmm. but you kinda need him to be a workhorse. You do. It's like you need a ton of innings out of Kluber. You need a ton ton of innings out of Pavetta um, because your other options are two guys. Because right now it's a seven-man rotation, technically. They want to count everybody that they've said as a starter, right? Yeah. So Kluber, Pavetta, two guys who last year tossed 160 each. And we're like, hey, you, you, you need to be the workhorses because the other guys in this rotation right now, the other five guys – a guy who hasn't pitched since 2019, uh, Paxton, who hasn't pitched in God knows how long. So long. A rookie, a guy yep. who's never um, never been a starter, and when he was a starter, he sucked versus when he was in the bullpen and Garrett Whitlock. Yep. And Tanner Houck, who I can't believe this, has only made 50 appearances in his career, and most I of know. them have been out of the bullpen. So sorry, Corey. But, like, this is not, like, fading into the sunset, bro. Like, you're going to have to be a major part of this rotation. And that's the thing. Like, Rich Hill ate innings last year. Yep. Michael Walker. Kluber has to eat innings this year. And do I like Kluber more than I like Rich Hill? Probably. I thought Rich Hill was awful and, and way – I don't know how he's still pitching. With he was tough to now. watch sometimes, yeah. 
I mean, I don't under. I don't know watching why he has blown up, up by like the Orioles is is a tough watch, especially when he's yeah. like hurling eighty five. Yeah, grunting when he's throwing eighty five, like mm-hmm. everything in him throwing eighty five. But um, it's kind of like your dad being on the mound. It's kind of cool. It is cool. It is cool. Girl, I went to college with. Uh, she lived next to me. Her uh, her uncles were chill. Fun fact. No kidding. Um, yeah, I jealous. Yeah. Uh, I don't Wish know. she was my uncle. Um, I, like. Whitlock, I hope, ends up back in the pen. Um, Hauk, I liked as a starter, but, like, how long, how many innings do I, can I see him throwing? Like, I don't think he can put a 25-start season together. Um, I think Bale, my hot take, I don't even know if it's a hot take, I think Bale climbs his way to being the number two this year. Um, I think Sale, like you said, I think Sale will be fine. I don't. He's never going to be the old Chris Sale. He's never going to be 2018 and, and before Chris Sale. Um, I don't think we'll ever see that again. I have very low expectations for Chris Sale, but I think he's going to be a serviceable one that, you know, still has effectiveness. Um, but again, like, can I trust him to throw 25, 30 starts? No. Probably, I don't think so. Probably, probably not. I wouldn't bet your life on it, but I also, I wouldn't be, ex- like, you shouldn't be super surprised if he comes close to that. Because I the sure is, hope there's he no does. Reason, there's no reason that he should. He's had so much time to heal from all these things now. The thing is, his shoulder is fine. His yep. elbow is fine. Yep. He had a stress fracture in his rib, which yep. is fine now. Yep. He had a break in his throwing hand, which was so long ago now. Yep. It, it, yeah. And then his fall was his non-throwing wrist. So there's no reason. It's not like... He had like a shoulder impingement that kept him out for three seasons, and now yeah. he's back. It's like yeah. there's no reason he shouldn't be good. He should be yeah. an aged Chris Sale who's a little fresher. If you want I, to put a little I spin really on it, I really hope so. I really hope so. I mean, he's had almost a almost a year and a half off now. I mean, because he barely pitched the year before, yeah. Um, and then he had time off before then as well. Um. I, I think what concerns me was the he didn't have when he came back for the postseason and later in the year. I don't care about the velocity as much as I cared about the lack of effectiveness with his changeup and not having a third pitch, and it made it so easy for the hitters to be able to pick up on it. And I don't know how much it was due to him being uncomfortable with the injury and whatnot. And hopefully, you know, he's back and the changeup works and, and he can, you know, be Chris Sale again. Um, but that's what shied me off more than, than just the velocity. Cause I think he can be an effective pitcher without the velocity. Um, I just, I haven't seen it yet. So hopefully he comes out in spring training and, and it's working again. Cause very early in the, you know, obviously it was the first game of the year last year. Um, against the Yankees, and you know, it still wasn't amazing. Um, <clears throat> so hopefully, he bounces back. But yeah, I can, I can, eat, I can see Bayo climbing to a two spot. Um, and I, then, I think you're right, dude. I, I can see that too. I think 2024 opening day might be a Bayo start. A Brian Bayo start. Yeah, if not 24, then 25. I mean, everything with Brian Bayo makes me want to believe that he's like he's Pedro. Dude, Pedro was down at spring training the other day. I know. Do you see him? He was showing his pitches to Masataka yeah. Yoshida for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I did see that too. I was like, how about you like show him to Bayo? Like, don't. Like, yeah. Why? I don't know. I mean, well, they Masa... worked together in the DR this year. Yeah, anyway, they did. So. <coughs> Masa's exciting me. Masa's cool. About Masa. He's tiny, bro. He's really small. He, he stepped in the box the other day. I was like, whoa. I had Whoa. no idea he was that small. No, like, neither did I. Because everyone they, else, I saw clips when, from the, when you're playing in Japan, everyone else is you know around the same height, except for the couple Americans that are playing there. And then like, <coughs> you come to the U.S. and you have all the you know the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans and the Americans. And he stepped in the box. I was like, the catcher's almost taller than he is. In he's his listed. He's listed as shorter than Dustin Pedroia. Wow. Yeah. He's a tiny oh. guy. I also had no idea. Like you said, I'd only been watching his highlights <laughs> in Japan. He didn't stand out. And then, uh, yeah, it wasn't until he got it. I love the shades. The report yeah. came out today that he's he still really... adjusting to the sun because mm. uh, a lot of the Japanese fields are yeah, in they're domes. All, yeah, they're all like domes, yeah. Uh, and that, I don't know if you watched any Red Sox baseball last year, 
but uh, being told already that guys are having problems with the sun. That was an issue. I got a little bit of PTSD there. I don't really need guys dropping fly balls. Oh, Raphael made a great, nice catch. That should have been routine, but he made the catch. Made the catch. He made the catch. Um, All right, last thing quickly. Yep. It really pissed me off last night. Um, It was in the Red Sox game. Mm -hmm. The pitch clock. Yes. I don't have an issue with the pitch clock. I like the pitch clock. Me too. I saw a video where Jose Altuve hit five inside the park home runs in between a span of two pitches. So I like the pitch clock. It's yep. it's great. The pace of play is awesome. I love it. My issue is the dumb eight-second rule. Um, the eight-second rule does kind of stink. Matthew Lugo stepped in the box. So Colby Allard wasn't on the mound yet. He was still strutting around the mound. He was just towing the rubber. He steps on at nine seconds. So Matthew Lugo steps in the box at around nine, eight seconds. Immediately, the umpire calls timeout, calls a strike on Matthew Lugo. That can't happen. That That's needs to change. Yeah. Because, because once pitchers start realizing that they can abuse that, that's not fair. That's not fair to hitters. It's not. It is, it is, it is so... Like, you can't wait. I, not that Allard was doing this on purpose, but... You can't expect the hitter, one, to stand in the box for all 25 seconds just for when the pitcher is ready to go because that's yeah. not fair. Um, and if that becomes a thing where <laughs> pitchers are able to abuse that rule and step on the mound at 10 seconds and have a 50-50 shot at getting an automatic strike, it's absolute bush league. Absolute bush league. Yeah. I mean, I, here's the thing. Just devil's advocate real quick. The pitchers do need something to even the playing field a little bit here. You know, yep. they they need something because like I don't I'm sure you've been watching that like nobody is using the full extent of the pitch clock. And part of the reason is that is that like you can't just have a three, two, one. Here's my pitch. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, you can't give away timing like that. So like as much as you're putting 15 seconds up there, you're really putting 10 seconds up there Yeah, because the guys, you they don't have the freedom to do that to, uh, right. you know, it'd, it'd be dumb. They got to level the playing field in some way. Uh, but I just don't even get why the eight second rule is there. Period. If you I don't either. only has the ball for fifteen seconds, as a batter, you should kind of just be told like, "Hey, he only has fifteen seconds, so you should be yeah. ready, ready to go." Right. And like, he has a green light to throw that ball. Exactly. You know, unless he gets time, and then we start the clock over. Which like I don't even know the rules around that around batters taking time and like, is there a limit there? Because I know with like the disengagements from the rubber like I, that's a whole thing too yeah that, that those parts are going to take me a while to fully grasp and whatever i do like that they're enforcing the hell out of it right now i do I yeah there's no there's been no you. leeway with it. It, it it's been very precise yeah. the umpire's doing a great job with it which i like like they're you know just they're officiating and yeah and um, like as a viewer and as a player just to like to know <coughs> those things ahead of time and see what it actually looks like in yeah in use because i don't think that like 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 the end of the Sox game, the one that ended in yeah. uh Mike Monaco has has coined it the clock off. Yep. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> I love Mike Monaco. Uh at the clock off, like I don't think that happens in the regular season. I think I if like not. the batter is like in the box and getting set at eight, seven, six, I don't think yeah. they call it. Yeah. I, I just think it's really stupid that you have to be looking at him in the box mm-hmm. or else it's a strike. Because that's so dumb. Because if I'm if I choose to step in the box at mm-hmm. 10 seconds and I'm standing in the box ready to hit, but I'm looking down and fixing my helmet instead of over here, that's my choice. That is my yeah. choice to not be looking at the pitcher when I know that a pitch is coming in any of these seconds. And I shouldn't be told that it is now an automatic strike because I'm not looking at him. Like, I why think are that's, you telling me where to look? Like, I feel like I think that's so stupid. Last year, you could have got into the box and just looked straight down at the plate and taken three strikes, right? No one would have said a thing. But no, because like, why do you, why do I need to look at the pitcher? What if that's just not because how I the talk is here? It is now an automatic strike because I'm not looking. So I hope that they kind of you know work those kinks out and start to realize that pitchers may abuse this and that the batter yeah. doesn't need to be looking at exactly eight seconds. If the pitcher takes all the way until 10 seconds to get on the mound, so the, where I'm stepping in at the same time, I, I think they need to, to figure that out because eight seconds is a long time in, in that, in that sense. Um, and 
from yeah, if if the is. pitcher was going to use the entire clock, like the hitter's going to be ready in those eight seconds, and he knows that. And yeah. the, the the clock's going to be in front of him, and he he's going to see it. It's three, two, one. And it's coming. So um, hopefully they work that out. But it's yeah. and I think it's that's been, part of the reason why they're enforcing change, it so much yeah. right now to yeah. work out the kinks and see okay what yeah. works being enforced what doesn't where do we need to create the leeway and i also think it's going to be different umpire to umpire i think there are, are going to be some guys who stick by the rules they're going to be some guys who never call it unless it's egregious i mean yeah it's the thing there's going to you know some you know some nfl officials call delay a game at, at zero some call it at one so exactly i mean and it, it depends it, who it is too i think you're right. going to get the veteran stuff a lot like that patrick mahomes gets an extra second yeah, Tom Brady yeah. gets and an I'm, extra it, second. You'll hear them, you know, on all the mic'd up stuff before too. Be like, hey, Tom, like I, I'm going to call it at one, and I'm mm-hmm. and I'm sure before the game, the umpires will at the home plate meetings will say, I'm calling it at seven seconds. So your guy has to be ready at seven seconds, and that'll be communicated. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been great. I mean, two and a half hour games—that's incredible. It is actually kind of cool. I I am getting a little bummed when the games end. I am yeah. <laughs> I am a little sad. A game end like a one o'clock game ends at three thirty. Yeah. I'm like, now what? Yeah. But now I mean, I've been seeing do? the clips of like people that are like, you guys prefer this better. And it's, it's the old way. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is really, I can't believe this is the way we used to watch baseball really long. It is actually, it's pretty crazy to see them side by side. Like what it used to be like, uh, I, I needed to happen. Um, I saw somebody throw around the idea. I think it was, I think it was Steve actually. I think it was my co-host Steve. Uh, he, he said, uh, Maybe maybe the answer is like no pitch clock in the ninth. If see, like I wouldn't like that because I don't like the clock off. I don't think that the game should be dictated by a clock off. So I mean, that might be silly. a good idea. I do like that. No no pitch clock in the ninth inning. That would be a good a good change. Yeah, because then you're glued to your seat, and if there's a, a yeah. wait between pitches, like you're actually glued because it's exactly it's the if ninth it's like inning. a two run or three run game. If it's like three runs or less in the ninth inning, no no pitch clock. Yeah, it's completely fine with me because that's I mean it's only an extra. 15, 20 minutes. Who cares? You're going from 2.30 to 2.45, whatever. If even, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, that will do it for episode 20 of The Dugout. Um, Thank you, Joey, for joining us. Um, Anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we'll have to have you back on around the midseason. We'll check in on the Sox and and how things are going. Yeah, Um, depending on how it goes, I'll come back on because I heard that your producer's (laughs) a Yankees fan. The producer, my co-host, and my boss, Yankees fans. I'm not trying to come back on here if the Sox are like 12 and a half games back in May. I told them that I'm okay with the Red Sox being in last place because I know that the Yankees won't win the World Series. I know that in my heart, that they won't happen. So I'm okay. I'll I'll jump on that narrative. I've come to peace with it. Like last season, don't care. They didn't win the World Series. I think I'm I'm just going to tell them that they are winning all year. I'm just going to jinx it all year. I'm going to be like, I'm just so so excited for you guys to win the World Series this year. That's also a great great idea. Yeah, I have money on it. You guys are definitely winning. <laughs> they might too. All right. Well, that will do it. Thank you, Joey, once again. Um, and we'll see you guys next week.